0: hello and welcome to in the days of noor with me noor where we talk about islamic related topics and social issues the following episode was recorded live on my facebook page if you ever want to catch us live please head over to facebook.com slash noor al and we go live over there every once in a while we hope that you'll enjoy the episode and thank you for listening take care Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh I was trying to get the mic the best place but inshallah you all can hear me or inshallah when you tune in or when you watch later then um, the sound will be okay but once you come in I'll, I'll ask again so inshallah we wanted to just sort of expand on or expound on the post that we wrote Yesterday which just said no one owes you their romantic interest in a sense. It's straightforward, right? But we just want to talk about some things around it and um, even the post itself Hanifa and Zainab and Hamza even the post itself it came out of a earlier conversation where um, Let me just look at it really quick where Okay, before I'll just say the what this, this brother said. So he had put a post um, where it was a screenshot of someone who was saying that a man had, so these are non-Muslims, that a man had asked them out on a date. I'll just actually read it or part of it. And they said, uh, but when I asked him where we were going, he said, and I quote ladies, Applebee's, I busted out laughing at his, (laughs) at his silly cheapness. I told him I own my own shop, a house, a BMW and stocks. I can buy Applebee's. Then I walked away. You should have seen his face. I'm worth more than Applebee's. You have to impress me. And that ain't it. Ladies keep them standards high. Don't settle for a broke man. So The point that I made to this person, now there are a lot of points you could make from that, right? (laughs) There are a lot of things you could focus on. But the point that I made to this person is that while we can focus on the woman's behavior and what should be her expectations or or whatever we, we can say about that, we can also say that in a very simplistic sort of way, no one owes you sort of the return of your interest in them. And it can be for the silliest reasons or it can be for good reasons. It can be that two people have different values. It can be that, and even in a sense, money is a value, right? If someone feels like for themselves, then going to a particular restaurant is too cheap. And that is sort of a value in and of itself. Now, is it an important value? Of course, we can discuss that. But it is a value in and of itself, um, in a sense, to a degree. But more importantly is that No matter what the reason is, someone could not like, you know, something silly, like the shape of your nose or something, you know, no matter what the reason is, no one owes you the return of your interest. And I was just sort of talking about, or I don't even know if I spoke about it, I was just thinking about it, Um, just the fact that a lot of sort of this modern gender war (laughs) Yeah, and I rarely wear colors. So mashallah. I I got this actually from my sister, Mina in Texas. She's selling hijabs if you're in the area. And um, I so rarely wear color, but mashallah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, just this thing of no one actually owes you the return of your interest in them. Right. And so I was thinking also about sort of our modern gender war. And um, obviously people can define that in different ways, but I think we all get a sense of this kind of tension between men and women. And um, and you know, some people can say, well, it's just social media that sort of brings it about, but some of us may also feel like, no, there's something real happening there, and Allah. But I feel like if we say it's real, if we go with that premise that a part of it is, because of the frustration that some people have in getting married or in finding a mate, if we wanna look in the more general sense. And so we can ask, well, why are people having this difficulty in finding a mate? And I think a part of the reason is that people are frustrated that the people they desire don't also desire them. And there is this kind of a, I think Hanifa mentioned it yesterday, I believe, but I'm gonna like look at your comment again, but there is a kind of entitlement I feel like we all have that we should get the person that we want. And there was this movie that I didn't watch, but I had, it's funny, I didn't watch it, but I watched something about it and then I spoke about it on YouTube Um, to make this larger point about there seems to be in our time this idea that if you want something, if you desire something, you should get it. And that movie seemed to be almost the ultimate expression of that because here was this person who was um, not the most attractive person, maybe intelligent, I think, in the movie, but not the most attractive person, not necessarily even a good person. But because she wanted to be with this person in her school, she wanted to be with um, the football player, then she should have him, essentially, was a, was almost the message of the movie. And that's really, that's a really sort of, um, it's an interesting view, but I think we can all kind of see why it's problematic, because it's essentially asking for something for nothing, or asking for something that someone doesn't necessarily deserve, except on the merit that they are themselves, even if themselves isn't a good person. Um, and it's interesting because it reminds me of a criticism that a lot of people have, just of our generation, which is this idea that sort of everyone gets a reward, everyone you know gets the cookie, everyone gets the trophy. Um, no one is should be made to feel like a loser. Everyone should be the star. Everyone should be made to feel like the star, and we shouldn't have any kind of hierarchy. Actually, it plays a lot into that of an anti-hierarchical um, view of the world, and that everyone should be equal. And while that's true in some regard, there should be equality in in some areas of life in probably most areas of life it isn't true that everyone is equal and we should know that because not everyone puts in the same or or, let's even say for our own selves we know that um, we may not be as good a writer as we are a speaker. We may not be as good at math as we are at uh, social studies or something. So we're not all going to get the same equal grade, right? But in a lot of aspects of our life, there's just this idea that we should all be equal. So um, yeah, I wanted to actually read this. This I was going to say brother, but this guy is not Muslim. But it had sort of the same sentiment. So I just wanted to read a bit of what he wrote in the same vein um let me see i copied the beginning of it so he said this notion that it's okay to rage bark and belittle any member of the opposite gender including complete strangers because you haven't secured a husband or wife is absurd And, you know, I think that's a lot of what people are projecting, right? Because this idea of a man who is rejected by this one woman because she doesn't want to be taken out to this particular restaurant, and then sort of men in general saying, well, see, look, this is how women are, women are, (laughs) women are whatever this, this infamous term of gold diggers that I hate, but women are gold diggers, women only, women are materialistic, women need to humble themselves and that sort of, um, <laughs> and that kind of uh, rhetoric because this one person rejected them or because multiple people rejected them. It could be a pattern. But, you know, they always say when there's a pattern and it's always that you are um, the common cause, the common factor, at some point you have to ask, well, what is my contribution to this? And actually there was there was a brother, if I can find it, who had recently commented and I thought it was so, I thought it was really interesting and it's one of those things that We have to be careful, I think, at how we use religion um, and how we kind of utilize it to make a point. You know, we're all guilty of that, obviously. Um, Not obviously, but I think a lot of us are guilty of that. But we really have to be careful. Um, So I want to find this brother's thing. But essentially, what he said is that the prophet's wives, may Allah be pleased with all of them, um, that they they would sometimes go in their household. Okay. Sorry, I just feel like I'm going to... Okay, here we go. Um, yeah, so he said, if you look at the life of the prophet, sallam, you will see that there were many days when neither he nor his wives had more than a date to eat. One of the narrations of Aisha reports that he would be fasting and would give away all the money and food they had for a day. And she would ask, how are we supposed to break our fast now? And later in life, she would do the same thing after the passing of the messenger. And then his his conclusion from that was, maybe we need more humble women. So... It's an interesting thing because, in one sense, we may feel like, well, okay, that's not so much of a jump. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi wives, they accepted very little materialistically, so maybe women should too. And I think there's an argument that, in general, um, we're all probably too materialistic. We're certainly far away from how the Prophet said lived. But at the same time, I think we're missing a key component in that dynamic, which is that, they accepted this right they accepted this life no one was forced to be married to do sorry to be married to the prophet and even when that time came we know that infamous incident where the prophet said there was more um, wealth available to the muslims and so some of his wives maybe all of them they also wanted to see an increase in their income in their lifestyle but the prophet his whether the Muslims were poor or whether the Muslims had income coming in or had wealth, then he still was living a consistently minimalistic, simplistic um, life. He still did not own a lot. He, He never started to eat a lot or wear fancy clothes just because the Muslims had more money. That wasn't what he was about. That's not how he chose to live. And so when his wives asked him that, then he actually left for a moment, I believe, and inshallah ta'ala Allah, please remind me someone or I'll try to remember to link the exact hadith, but he left for a period of time and then he came back and he told the wives, it was in, in fact a verse, essentially saying that if you want to be married to the Prophet then and I know I'm putting it so colloquially, but essentially if you want to be married to the prophet, then this is how life is going to be. And if you don't want to be married to him, then you'll be divorced in kindness. And so at a very, first of all, they always had a choice, they had a choice to marry him in the first place. But even within the marriage, they had a choice at that particular junction to say, you know what, this life is too hard. I don't want to live like this. I want to you know eat good food and wear nice clothing and so i want out of this marriage or i want to stay and i'm okay with living like this and so they had a distinct choice it wasn't a societal pressure it wasn't an individual pressure from the prophet they had the choice to live as they did so while we can make a case and again i would make a case that we're all if if you're you know western muslim and just western in general that we're all too materialistic. Um, it's still a choice, right? It's still a choice to live within that lifestyle or not. And this is unfortunately what we see sometimes: is that men who don't have um, such a great income, that if they come to a woman and you know, in their estimation or in the estimation of the community, then they are a quote unquote good brother, and the woman rejects them then she is kind of uh, seen as, how can I say, as not being a good Muslim, essentially. That if someone is a good Muslim, then you should want to marry them and you shouldn't consider um, the wealth of that person and their material resources. And, but the reality, again, is that people have a choice in who they want to marry. There's the infamous story that we all know of, and again, inshallah ta'ala, I will try to find it and quote it directly, where there was a woman who was a slave, and her husband was a slave as well, and then she was freed, and so she wanted to divorce her husband, and her husband loved her, he was begging her you know, to stay with him. When you when you read the story inshallah when i post it and it, it is really a dramatic story and it's not to say that you don't feel bad for the husband you do because when one person loves another person the other person doesn't return it that's really hurtful um so he wanted to stay with his wife to the point where the prophet up interceded on his behalf to ask her you know why don't you stay with your husband and she essentially said you know are you telling me to stay with my husband and he said no i'm just interceding on his behalf because obviously there's a difference between if you're a muslim a muslim in these times and the prophet tells you to do something versus his advising you of course even in his even in his advising you you want to listen um but if it's a command that's very different so you're going to follow as a muslim so he said no i'm not commanding you but i'm interceding on his behalf and so she simply said i don't I don't want to be with him anymore. And so that that um I believe she left the marriage. And that story is really important because in one sense, as I heard someone say that I didn't really like this person saying this, but whatever, In one sense you can say, you know, oh that's really unfortunate that she wouldn't take the advice or this intercession of the Prophet and just be with her husband and and return his love. Um, but in another sense, you get to see that whatever the reason, it really is okay to, this is tough, because it's tough to, to really express because no, we're not going to say it's okay to like divorce someone for any reason. But in a sense that it's okay if you can't or don't want to return someone else's feelings of love, that them loving you is not enough or it's not it doesn't put, uh, it doesn't mean that you are forced to return that. And especially in the getting married process, because again, if you are married, then you probably, there's more of a, um, there's more reason to try to make it work. But if you're not married and someone is interested in you and you're not interested in them, then that's okay. And I like something that um, Sister Imani said, that her father told her, which was, um, let me just look at this really quick. She said, she said, my, oh, I'm sorry, Sister Iman. She said, my father taught me that years ago, he said, even if he claims to love you, you owe no man your love. If it isn't there, even if he is a nice guy. And, you know, I think that, Women sometimes get this pressure more, in Allahu Allah, but I don't feel like men get this pressure as much, Um, whereas a woman, if she doesn't want a man of a particular uh, financial status, which is usually what's coming up in these conversations, then she is kind of shamed right by the man by the community or by men in general whereas i can't really think of anything with a man where he would be shamed i don't know you know i because i would think okay what's the equivalent of money for men i would kind of think looks and i can't imagine like a man saying you know sorry i'm just not attracted to that sister i'm not interested in someone saying oh you're so superficial for only looking at her look Allahu Allah. Maybe in some circles, but I don't think that is as pushed. It um, actually that makes me think of this story where this man who was getting married to someone and she got she contracted some kind of disease that like deformed her essentially. And I don't know if it's a true story or just one of these stories that are told. Um, and so the father or the family called him and told him what happened to the daughter. And he said, well, actually, I have developed leprosy as well, or whatever kind of disease it was that made him blind. And so, you know, like coincidentally, right? And so they get married, they have a wonderful marriage, and then when she dies, she dies before him, suddenly his blindness is cured. So essentially the essence of the story is that this is almost like an extreme kind of chivalry that despite her looks being deformed, he still married her and um, was a good husband to her. And while those stories are valuable, you know, if you think that a person is overwhelmingly a good person, but maybe there's just one thing or one major thing, going on, let's not say one major thing, well, let's say you have some kind of list, right? and they check off on 90% and maybe they're exceptional in some regards. It's not to say that it's not a good thing to still try and um, see if there could be something there and try to have a good marriage. That There is value in that. But it's just to say that if you don't want to do that, then there should not be any kind of shaming in that. And I think it's not just a matter of should and shouldn't. I think it's also a matter of what is most valuable to do that if you are someone who is quote unquote on the marriage market um that you're it'll be a lot easier for you if you can quickly move on from people who aren't interested in you so if if there is a woman that a man is approaching and she's not interested because of his financial level it's a lot easier for him if he is just able to say, okay, we don't match, I don't have what you want, I'll just move on to to pursue something else. Then for him to harp on that and become angry about that and then formulate his opinions about the entire gender based off of that. Um, and again, it kind of creates this negative energy between men and women in general. And, um, let's say for women to think of an example for women, um, maybe you guys can give me an example for women of something that a man, that women complain about men not accepting. I mean, one big one may be women who are previously divorced or have children. Um, but maybe there are other ones that you all can think of. So I wanted to just read quickly from maybe not the whole thing, but at least partially from a book that I think is really valuable, and those who are looking for marriage or looking to try and uphold the one that they're in, it may be of use, inshallah. So this is the book Initiating and Upholding an Islamic Marriage by Sheikh Ahidaya Hartford. And one of the things that I remember taking her class years ago, and one of the things that stuck with me was her saying that when you're looking for marriage and you're looking for compatibility. She gave the example of looking for someone who is on your religious level. So if you're not a very religious person, you know, let's just be more specific. If you're someone who, let's say, prays five times a day, but you pray all your prayers when you get home from work you don't, or when you get home from school or you don't ever make time within your day to pray, you pray all of your prayers when you get home if you, if there's someone else who makes sure to pray every single prayer on time in the time of the prayer, that's not really going to be compatible. So it's not enough to say, I want a religious person, right? It's better to say, I want someone at my own level, and that would be more compatible than trying to have more of a general, um, assalamualaikum, Let's see, then trying to have more of a general, um, what can I say, standard? I'm not sure how to put it. But it's better to say, this is my religious level and I need someone who's compatible at that. And if you feel like, no, but I want someone who is religious, well, you should become religious yourself and then find that person. Um, so Assalamualaikum, Zara, Samir, Hani, Ali, Alex, Armani, Hanifa, Zainab, Hamza, Assalamualaikum. Okay, so she she mentions some some things that one should look for in a man and some things that one should look for in a woman. And I think it's really valuable to have sort of a general outlook. And of course, we can tweak it a bit for our own. individual self but I think it's good to have something like this that's more general okay so inshallah if you guys have any comments or questions or reflections inquiries something you want to share then inshallah while I'm reading from this it would be a good time to do so so she said aside from this is what to look for in a man aside from those qualities that differ from person to person and are particular to each potential couple one should look for specific virtues in a husband these are piety, a halal lawful income sufficient to support his household basic islamic knowledge contentment ability to make mature judgments ability to understand and think soundly a forgiving nature tolerance and an even temper patience generosity responsibility protectiveness and cooperation being from a decent, stable family, good appearance, and good bodily cleanliness. And so just for the being from a decent, stable family, then she further says, the Prophet said, choose well for your seed, marry suitable women, and marry your daughters to suitable men. And it's interesting that I didn't pull it up. I thought of pulling it up, but maybe another time. But it's interesting that there is a conversation within... um islam and within fiqh in particular about suitability but i think in just in our general muslim discourse then it's not something it's not only is it not something that comes up a lot it's something that kind of leaves leaves a bad taste with people um and it's almost seen as unacceptable to think about well, is this person suitable or not? We often hear about this, um, especially if if it's sort of the wali or the family asking, well, are you suitable for my daughter or for my son, usually for my daughter? And this conversation about, we had mentioned yesterday, um, when it comes to race, and it is a difficult conversation because obviously Islam is not okay with racism, right? but when we're considering race or ethnicity or tribe when it comes to suitability for marriage it is a valuable consideration because the culture that someone comes from that plays a major significance uh, a major significant role on who they are what they expect in a marriage and so it's not a small thing that some people treat it as It's also not a small thing to think about finances because finances has to do with what kind of lifestyle are you going to give to that person's daughter and I think a lot of us maybe not a lot of us but I think some of us may feel like well if this person is a good Muslim then it will be a good marriage but the reality is that being a good Muslim obviously that's valuable but then even that is like we we all define that differently but we do have to live on a day-to-day basis. So if someone is used to a particular life where um, they can, let's let's use an extreme example, where they can turn on the shower and there's hot and cold water and you take them, someone marries them, they're this good Muslim brother, and he takes her into an apartment where there's no hot water. So you may think, well, if he's a good Muslim, then that marriage should be fine. But in a literal sense, day to day, if you're dealing with a headache, you know, of not having hot water that you never had to deal with all of your life, that can add up. And the things that you may have thought would have been... um, maybe a saving grace, okay, he's a good Muslim, he prays his five prayers, he does his dhikr, he does extra salah, he gives cat. Those things may not be as much of a saving grace as you thought they were. And suitability really just makes life a lot easier for for both people. And that's not to say you're not thinking about their sort of religious practice, like that is a part of suitability, but it's not all of it. okay so let me hanifa oh yes and i wanted to read your comment hanifa said because of the entitlement in our communities we love to ignore (laughs) yeah we love to ignore suitability compatibility right there's this idea that if you are a good muslim and you know we can say you can almost say quote unquote good muslim right because again everyone kind of defines that differently um and then you deserve a wife. And this is something people complain about a lot, I think, and but I think in particular in the African-American Muslim community, and you know, every community has its issues, but I think people complain about that a lot, in particular in the African-American community, where a woman, she may have her career, or she may have gotten a degree and she has her career, and someone introduces her to a man who didn't finish college and he um, doesn't have a career and they feel like, well, because, but he's a good brother. So he, again, he prays, he's in the masjid and all that. And so they feel like this should be a suitable, um, one second, so can see you Sorry, it's my niece passing by. Um, so because that person is a good practicing muslim then she should be open to to marrying someone like that but there's still an issue of well how suitable are they and it's interesting because this conversation came up i think a while ago with education and i think i was asking you know is it suitable for a woman who has gotten her higher education to marry or for a man who yeah to marry a man who has not or for a man to pursue a woman who has her education who hasn't had his has not gone through school himself and there was this something that a couple of men were bringing up of oh we can be educated in other ways and and college is not the only education type of education and then some men saying um Something like a woman like that or women like that sometimes think they're better than men And just because you have an education you're not better than them and that sort of thing And it's funny because even in the conversation you can see How this would become an issue because if you are um, Oh Actually, yeah, I was making this point like if you're having a conversation and you come from a particular educational background if when you go home and you're with your spouse, especially as the woman if you come home and you're with your spouse and he's not as educated as you, and you feel like you have to dumb yourself down to speak to your husband, or you speak the same way you speak to everyone else, and so he always feels like you're speaking over him, isn't that a problem in itself? You know, isn't that causing an issue within itself because of their differing educational background? So it's not superficial. Someone's education changes them to some degree. Someone's familiar bra- background shapes them. Um, someone's financial status shapes them. So these are not small things. It's not as if the only thing that shapes us is our um, Islamic practice. So, um, Conry, or Gordon, Salam, sister, I like can I appreciate your dialogue on these matters. Finding a potential spouse is difficult and it creates an opportunity to discuss and and in a safe forum. And I did want to ask that question, Um, we do want to end soon, inshallah, but I did want to ask this question of when people say that it's difficult to get married, what do they mean? so i don't know maybe gordon maybe you can answer that question but what does that mean when someone says like it's difficult to get married like what are the difficulties that you are coming across what exactly is difficult um because i just kind of think that's interesting i remember when i was in jordan then one of my roommates um she was i think in her late 30s or something like that and, you know, she wasn't married yet. And she mentioned something like that about the difficulties of being married. And so I had to just ask her, like, in the past couple years of, let's see, yeah, in the past couple years, like 10 years or so, well, how many potential students have you spoken to? And I think she said, like, just one or something like that. And it just made me think, well, is it difficult or how? Is it difficult when people say that it's difficult? Is it that it's difficult or is it that we think it should be easy? So when we face, so when we feel at all that things are not coming easy, then we feel like it's difficult. And maybe that's saying the same thing, but in a different way. But I just feel like we put a lot of effort right into going to school and to especially when we're going to college, our application process, and what does this school require? What does that school require? Getting all the necessary information and paying the fees and studying hard and working hard in school, and we do the same thing at work, but when it comes to marriage, then we just expect it to happen. And you know, I think that's just a part of, I think that's, okay, so Alex, I see your laughing emoji, but I'm not sure (laughs) what uh i'm not sure what that was in reaction to but i think a part of our wanting it to be easy is just like it's not really a muslim thing it's more so a western thing because in our media in our culture then love is expected to come easy right and there are some people trying to change that narrative i forget this philosopher's name but he had a really good lecture Um, and the title of it, uh, was why you will marry the wrong person. And it's a really good lecture because it's just about, you know, we've essentially been sold this idea of marriage and romantic relationships as easy as, you know, it just happens. You fall in love, right? Falling is just, it's something that just happens. You don't plan on falling. Right. And, um, And then it's just this blissful sort of relationship. And we know that in all of the Disney movies of the past and just romantic stories in general, where do they usually end, right? They usually end at the wedding or they end at the point where people fall in love. They don't end or they don't continue after that point. And if they were to continue after that point and have more of a realistic depiction, then we would see all of the difficulties that people actually face. And obviously, if you have close family members who are married and that you speak to, then, you would know, it's not um, it's not an easy journey. But still, we still have this because I think most of us hopefully have some kind of idea that marriage itself is not easy. Right. But I think we still have. Um, I think we still hold on to the idea that getting married should be easy. And oh, I think we should realize that that's a particular aspect of our culture. And if we're really interested in getting married, like falling in love and getting married can sometimes be two different things, right? So if we're really interested in getting married. Maybe we would view it a little bit differently. and Maybe we would view it a little bit closer to, how we view getting into school or getting a job. Maybe not as a, what should I say? Maybe not as, I don't know the word to use, procedural maybe, I'm not sure. But obviously when you're trying to apply to college, you fill out the application and, and all of that. But even maybe closer to that. you know, I know when I was in Jordan, the way that they did marriages there, you didn't have to do this, but if you wanted to, you would send the sheikha that dealt with it, you would send them a resume, you know, about detailing things about yourself. And so if they found someone, then they would let you know, you'd have a meeting. If it was gonna go forward, then I don't know how many meetings you might have. But if it wasn't, then, you know, keep your name on the list and have the resumes. And if it was, then you move forward, and, and however they did that thereafter. And I think that we probably need to move closer to that. Um, But that's a community effort. So in a sense, that's kind of like a side point because I think it's more important to focus on, unless you are in a leadership position in your community, it's probably more important to focus on ourselves. And so how can we do something that's a bit closer to that than waiting because the idea to me that anyone could say that they want to get married but for the past couple of years they've spoken to maybe one or two people i don't know how serious that person is or they have just so um they're so stuck to the idea of falling in love or even of it just happening even because a lot of muslims don't feel like you should fall in love you know before marriage but even the idea hijab is just okay even the idea that it's just going to happen right is also a bit problematic Um, because especially for us as Muslims it often doesn't just happen because we're in environments that are largely non-Muslim and even if we are in an environment with Muslims um, that it's a what do you call it? It can sometimes be more of a formal environment, so you're not even around men. There's a woman section and a man section, right? So you're not even around the opposite gender for it to just happen. So there has to be, I guess more formality, I think is is what I would say. So let me read some of the comments. Oh okay. Okay, Let's see. So let me take one second to try to like fix my hijab a bit. Okay, and I was just <laughs> my sister was asking me if I edit my videos, and I was just saying, like, no, I don't really edit it unless I do something silly, like have to take a break <laughs> to fix something. Um, so I'll I'll have to edit that out when I upload it to YouTube. So okay, Hanifa, you said I was having, uh, and let me also say, to um, to anyone who to everyone who joined my Patreon. So. Yeah. I don't think you guys are tuned in right now, but Alhamdulillah, Arthur, Patrick, Suleiman, and Malik, Jazakallah Khair, they all recently um, joined my Patreon. So Patreon is just a way to support people who make, um, I almost want to say independent content. I'm not sure if I make creative content, but independent content. So If you all ever want to join, then inshallah ta'ala, I'm just going to put the link in the comments. And it'll also give you um, other content. So, for example, I had a post series on my blog about free will. And so I posted the the first two posts of the series are on the blog, but then the second two are just on Patreon. So Hanifa said, I was having a discussion with one of my friends who is South Asian and a doctor. Many times she was explaining is that in her community, women and men seek potential mates with similar career backgrounds, finances, because marrying someone with a career that is not compatible can cause issues. Yeah, I absolutely think it can. And I I think it's a mistake to downplay that. Um, and I just saw Alex, you said you were laughing at the idea of dumbing herself down and it's true. It's funny, but it's also like, that's thing. that's, I think that is of some importance to think about. Like, and let me say, it's not in all fields that this is going to happen. Not every single field is going to make you like an intellectual. Right. Um, but if you have a higher um, education, if you have a bachelor's and a master's or even a PhD, that is going to shape who you are as a person. And it's going to be, and it may not be the best idea to marry someone who has a dramatically different career field than your own, um, especially for women. You know, in a general sense, and we have this conversation with, with Michael Sanford, if you wanna look at that video on YouTube, then in a general sense, he mentioned that women marry across and up and men marry across and down when it sort of comes to finances and um, career fields. I was actually reading an article in The Atlantic about this where I was talking about professors specifically So I'm just posting the link um, below, if anyone wants to watch my video with, um, anyone wants to watch my video, traditional marriage versus modern marriage with Michael Sanford. So I was reading this article specifically about professors and it mentioned this, that when it comes to women, women were more likely to either, first of all, more likely to not be married with higher education. But women were more likely to either marry someone else who had a PhD or, well, I don't think, or higher. I'm not completely sure. But someone else with a PhD and men were more likely to marry someone could be with a PhD but also with less than a PhD. I have the article, inshallah, um, saved, so I'll, I'll link it in the comments. But in general for women, it's important to marry across and up. And honestly, the funny thing is that it's also important for men, but for some reason, I think men just feel like maybe women are more malleable so that even if she has a PhD, she can act like she doesn't, right? (laughs) Which is where the whole, you know, quote unquote, playing dumb comes in. That somehow she's going to have this higher education, but that's not going to change the way she speaks or acts or who she hangs around um so hanifa you also said for example she is a doctor and she is used to a certain level of finances and a certain schedule where she works at night right so someone who is not used to that probably won't be a good match for her or someone who oh because this was the conversation before there was this example going around social media of someone who is like a manager at foot Locker and he marries a woman who or is trying to court a woman who is a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And we can say that in theory if you want to say, oh, if he's a good man and she's a good woman, why shouldn't that work out? But the reality is once you have to live with the person on a day-to-day basis, finances is going to constantly come up. If this person is used to being able to afford to go on vacation once a year or twice a year or three times a year, if they're able to buy starbucks every day not care about it you know not care about how much money they're spending on that if they're able to um take an uber every day you know we can say oh that's so superficial but it can actually become really frustrating if you're used to a certain Um way of living so you're buying the starbucks every day and every time you buy the starbucks the husband is saying Why are you wasting all this money? And you know you can afford it But then if you say oh I can afford it then that's an issue of you being egotistical and thinking you're better than him So these things can play into other areas of the marriage It's not like money is just this isolated thing It does affect other parts of your life and not just money money career the family that you come from um Even recently, it's interesting, two different people um, had spoken to me about the uh, sort of the difficulties they had in getting married as converts, that a lot of people weren't accepting of them. And so in one sense, I don't think that converts should be written off completely. If you're someone who, you know, grew up Muslim or came from a Muslim culture, I wouldn't say, okay, if someone is a convert and they approach you, you should write them off completely. At the same time, I think it is a consideration in that if someone is a convert, there's a certain life that they were used to living, maybe for a significant portion of their life, that is foreign to you, possibly. Now, maybe it isn't foreign to you, right? Maybe you grew up in public schools and you had non-Muslim friends, so it's not that foreign to you. But what if it is, right? What if this person grew up around drinking and going to parties and, um, I don't know, eating pork, whatever. that, that can or it cannot make a difference, right? It would also depend why, why I wouldn't say that converts should be written off completely, right? Because it can also depend on their, their um, let's see, their level of practice once they actually enter the religion, right? Because once they enter, they may have completely written off all of that stuff. And then would it be fair to say that you're somehow better than them because you've been... Um, not doing those things for longer, you know, I don't know. But I'm just saying that I think it's okay to consider that when you're considering the person you're going to marry, the person your child is going to marry, that if they're a convert, there are certain considerations that you want to make. Let's say also the person is a convert, so all of their family is non-Muslim. So when they have children, an entire side of that child's family is going to be non Muslim? How is that going to affect them? Allahu Alam. But I'm saying that I don't believe it's wrong to make those kinds of considerations. I understand why people could feel like it's discriminatory, it's, especially as a convert, that, that is not going to um, be very good for your morale. But I do not think that it's unfair to ask those questions because your upbringing is very significant. And um, in shaping you, shaping who you are as a person. So let's see. Muk Muktadar said, "I think I think it depends on the background of each other. So the best way is to have a good conversation. Yeah, that can definitely help. Um." At the same time, a conversation is not the same as just getting the plain facts about the person. So, yeah, a conversation, of course, you should talk to the potential person that you may marry. But at the same time, it is, a, it is smart as well to just get some basic facts about them. What was your upbringing? You know, are, if they're a convert, are there any other people who are Muslim in your family? What is your financial status? Um, what is your education? Like those sort of basic questions in a sense, we should probably get out of the way first before we even start talking to someone like in, it would probably be more proper and more, um, it's kind of what I was talking about in the sense of being more formal in our approach. Because in a sense, if you know that as a woman or as a man, you have a certain level of education and you don't want to even consider anyone who doesn't, well then you can kind of write off a lot of people quickly. Now that may not sound very nice, but in terms of efficiency, it's a lot more efficient if you can quickly not even entertain people who you know you're not interested in, right? Um, So Conry, you said compatibility, honesty of expectations and emotional intelligence, yeah. Yeah, it's all valuable. Okay. Um, there are too many variables at play in contemporary society in terms of social mobility and liberation of information, education, that have blurred old contours that demarcated suitability for marriage. Um. I yeah. I you know I agree that it's more complicated. I don't think it's as complicated as we think it is. Um, like I had put this quote from it's from Al Ghazali's book. It's not from Al Ghazali. He quoted someone else as saying it. If I can find it, I will read it. But essentially he would he mentioned lineage as a part of the suitability for marriage, and a lot of people did not like that. and the interesting thing is that while let's see, okay, here it is. This is again, this is not how Imam al Ghazali is saying it, but he quoted someone saying it and it seemed like he agreed. Um, he said, A wife, <laughs> the word beneath is not going to sound very good, but a wife should be beneath her husband in four things or else she will despise him age, height, wealth, and lineage. She should be better than him in four things, beauty, good manners, character, scrupulousness, and matters of the religion. So some of these things we may say fairly are outdated. Um, Some are not. We know that some absolutely are not. Women still marry men in general. I think it's like five to seven years older than them, something like that. Uh, Women, we all know that women in general want someone taller than them. Like that is, it's so funny and it's so stereotypical, but it's, true like you ask almost any woman in fact recently um this this younger sister i was really i was laughing because she was the first woman i ever heard say that she did not want a tall guy she didn't like tall men so i found one but in general we all know that women still want tall men like that hasn't changed or a man who's taller than them Um, well, I think that's still generally true. We mentioned the thing about women wanting to marry across or up when it comes to economics. Um, and lineage. Now, I agree, Alex, that lineage is a lot more complicated than it was in the past. Like, we're not from a tribe, right? When it was during the Prophet time, it was a lot more clear cut. Like, this tribe is better than this tribe, right? Um, this tribe is will guarantee you more safety than this tribe. This tribe, whatever, has more wealth than this other tribe. It definitely was more clear-cut. Um, at the same time, we all know that even in America, despite there being a possibility for social mobility, absolutely, alhamdulillah, uh, it's not as great as I think we kind of pretend it is sometimes. Like the American dream, it's real. I think... I think the thing about America is that it's possible, right? Like it is possible that you could be the son of a single mother who was a waitress and you work really hard and you become, um, the CEO of a company, right? We all know those stories. It can happen, but we still have to ask ourselves, okay, but of the percentage of people who are sing, who are children of single parents who What's the other thing? Of single parents who work minimum wage jobs. What percentage of those people are going to be able to get out of their particular class, so to speak, to get out of the lower class and make it to the middle class? What percentage? Not is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. But what percentage of people are going to do that? We all know the answer is not a lot. I don't know the exact percentage, but we all know the answer is not a lot. If your parents are middle class, chances are you're middle class, too. If they were lower class, chances are you are, you know, quote, unquote, lower class, too. Or we should say working class. Um, if they're wealthy, there's a huge chance that they're wealthy. You, have to, you would have to be really irresponsible with money to lose um, sort of generational wealth. The people who are wealthy today, a large percent of them, their grandparents, their great grandparents made that wealth a long time ago, and all they had to do was maintain it. So I think I agree that it's more complicated, but I I don't think it's as complicated as we would think. I don't think that we're so dramatically different than this person who Al-Ghazali quoted. I still think that in general, these are the things that women are looking for. Um, age height wealth lineage and i think in general that well i was going to say al gazelles right but the person that he quoted is right that there are going to be difficulties when that isn't there if the woman marries someone who is dramatically younger than her or maybe not shorter i would hope but um but if she marries someone who doesn't have those general traditional masculine qualities i do believe there's going to be Issues more than likely and if he doesn't marry someone who generally has those feminine qualities I think it's going to be difficult. And when we think about tradition, honestly um, We're thinking about what works right or what has worked at least for a period of time So the fact that we come up with something new that you know the so-called modern marriage Well, we have not actually proven that it works yet. Like 100 years from now, if this is the new standard, men and women working and we all send our kids to daycare and everyone's happy about that, well, then we can say, you know what, this modern marriage thing was a good idea, but we can't quite say that yet. When we live in a time where we're practicing so-called modern marriage and most marriages are failing, so there's no correlation that this new way that we're doing marriage is good or is better than than what we did before. Um, Okay, Dawood Robinson. Forget easy, you don't appreciate things that are easy. Yeah, true. And given to you, an unearned benefit is never appreciated. Look at rich kids and how they care for and value their toys, compare them with poor kids. See, okay. What did I do, okay. Um, When you earn something you've worked towards, you've attained it. You know, this is such... I'm going to read the rest, but that's such a good point because I think that for men, um, and in a larger society it's even worse, but I think for men they actually lose out when women make it too easy for them. I wish I could... Maybe I'll find it one day. I wish I could find this article again. But the woman was talking about how um, sort of the society of... Zina, will say, essentially, where Zina is acceptable. It was a non-Muslim author, but I just would rather use that word right now. Um, that it hurts men because they don't have to work as hard to acquire what they want, which is to be with a woman. So in the past, you would have had to essentially have your life together as a man, that you got some level of education, whether that's college or trade school, whatever, um, some kind of expertise so that you could do a particular job and have some level of ex- of uh, success in your job before you could come to another man and ask for the hand of his daughter in marriage. But now in our society, just to go to the general society for a moment, a man doesn't have to do any of that to just have... Um, some kind of relationship with the woman now the funny thing about non-muslims in our society is that in marriage they'll still have some some of the traditional standards um because there's still sort of the tradition of the man going to ask for the girl's hand in marriage even though it's just sort of a formality they don't you know i don't think they really care but Allahu alam But in a general sense, just to be with a woman, men don't have to put in a lot of effort. And that hurts men as well. Um, I mean, I wish I could read that article because she made a really good argument. But just in short, I think it's true that you don't appreciate what you have not put some work towards. So if it's a man, you want to marry a woman and you don't have your life together at all. And she says, yeah, sure, why not? you how are you going to look at that woman are you really going to appreciate her are you even going to think that she is valuable if she allowed you to marry her without doing much of anything um, for yourself and without proving that you'd be a good husband in any way um so you said when you earn something you've worked towards you've attained it when you've worked towards when you've worked with someone towards a goal then you have a partner Someone that has shared your journey. If the journey has been hard, you recognize it has been hard and you value the person who is there with you. If something isn't worth working for towards, is it really worth having? Um, See, that's interesting because I agree with you from the first part, but the second part, I don't know. I think in theory, you expect people to appreciate you when you work with them and you work hard with them and all that. I don't think that actually plays out when it comes to women and Zara, if you're still here, I would love to hear your opinion on this because I think that for women, it's a little bit different that if a woman marries a man who is poor, who is struggling. And so she marries him and she works also to help him get on his feet or they work together to help each other get on, on their feet or get to a better place. And then, um, So they attain that position. And so we expect the man is going to be grateful and loyal and stay with her and be so happy that she helped him struggle um, (laughs) along the way. I think that's in theory, I don't really think that's true. I think for women, unfortunately, looks are always going to be important. So if you have really been struggling so hard with this man and working so that you all could have a good life, Am I the end of it, in the 10, 20 years, then, see, I don't want to be too, like, colloquial, but essentially, you no longer look your best, let's say. You're not very feminine because you have been working so hard to help your husband, um, essentially, do what he should be doing. Then we would like to think that there would be appreciation like the Prophet, appreciated Lady Khadijah, But as we spoke about, the kind of work she did is not the same as the kind of work a woman would do today. Um, I think we'd like to think the man would be appreciative of that. I don't know that that is true. I don't know that a man who finally has everything that he wants materialistically would not go out and seek the kind of woman that he can now get with those resources. And we see it time and time again with non-Muslims for sure. That the woman that he struggles with is not necessarily the woman that he's with when he actually is successful Um, For Muslims, I don't know, Allahu Alam, maybe we're different, but I'm not I'm not sure about that in Zahra if you're still here. I'd love to hear your opinion on that Um, So Muktadai said even if you have different backgrounds, if you have a good compatibility It is very easy and best knowledge in Islam You know, again, I feel like that's what we say in theory. I don't know that that is actually true. Um, Different back, it depends what are the different backgrounds, right? Uh, One person is wealthy, one person is poor. It comes from a poor background. And it still depends on where you're at today, because maybe when you meet each other, you're at the same level, right? So that also matters. Um, One person is from, let's say, an Arab country, one person is American. I remember the story of this woman, um, this couple who got married. It was a black woman and an Arab man. And they got married. They must have thought they had some kind of compatibility, I'm sure. But he would start to demand that she didn't leave the house. He didn't want her to leave the house. Now, am I saying that's an Arab thing? I don't know. That's probably not fair to say. But she was used to a certain level of freedom of movement. And clearly he was used to or had the idea that he should be able to tell his wife that she can't go wherever he doesn't want her to go. And we spoke about this idea that um, in the thick, that's technically true, but it still takes account of the culture and that if in your culture, then the society is safe and women are free to move about as they want, it's okay to assume that you can go where you want. unless the husband says otherwise, but again, that's why it's valuable to talk about compatibility and cultural compatibility, I think is actually very valuable in the sense that there are a lot of things that you can assume. Whereas when you're dealing with two people of two different cultures, there are a lot of things that you cannot assume. So you can assume if you're an African American woman or African or Afro Caribbean or American white woman or probably a lot of different groups in this country that if you want to go out to the store, you're not going to ask your husband. You may say, oh, hey, I'm heading out to the store. Or if you really want to go anywhere, you're not, there's not going to be this idea of seeking permission because that's just not our culture. The husband won't expect you to do it, nor will you expect to do it as the wife. So maybe you would only have to do it if there was some sort of exceptional circumstance where the husband, um, wanted that but you can assume that you don't have to do that whereas if you are an american woman and you marry an arab man an african man a um well let's just leave it there african or arab man you can't make that assumption like you don't know you don't know what their culture is even if they tell you because a part of the thing too is that when it comes to culture we don't All realize all the little ways all the big and little ways that culture shapes our life you really have no idea and it only becomes incredibly clear when you have to um, interact especially in an intimate way when it's a spouse with someone of another culture then you notice all the little things how do we prepare to eat how do we eat Where do you sit when you're eating? How do you sit? How do you greet your guests? What do you, do you offer them or not offer them? How do you offer people food? How do you like, there's so many little things that we don't realize when we're all just in our shared culture. But if you marry someone of a different culture, it can absolutely become um, a difficulty. So I, I I think it's something worth considering in general. And in general, one of our sheep told us that in general, they do not marry people of different backgrounds, like if they're doing a marriage, or maybe she was saying they advise against it, something like that. Because in general, we don't think of all these little things. We don't have the insight to actually think of all the little ways that cultures can be incompatible. All you think is, well, we get along, right? but you don't really even realize how dramatically different cultures do things until you're in that space. Now, I'm not saying it can never work out. Obviously, it can work out sometimes, but it absolutely is an important consideration to make. JazakAllah, Hanifa. I appreciate that. Yeah, inshallah, if you want to join our Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash Blog. Um, let me see. I'll put it in the comments again, and you can join for one dollar, one. Let me see, one five or ten at the moment. And we've had four people join so far. So I appreciate Arthur, Patrick, um, Abdul Malik, and let's see, Arthur, Patrick, Abdul Malik. Mm, how could I forget? That's horrible. I just had it in my mind. Um, Let me see. Arthur Patrick and, oh, and Abdul Malik. Arthur Patrick and Abdul Malik, Hamnida, I greatly appreciate um, you all becoming patrons. So in Patreon, it's just a way to support people who do independent work, creative work, help support my blog, help support um the books that i'm publishing so you know any any amount counts and you also get um content that will only be there on the site so okay alex alex okay these topics should without a doubt be approached in a mature manner. but what i find slightly concerning is an emphasis on the financial status of a brother, of a person. If the brother is able to give his potential spouse a lifestyle in which she is receiving in the least what she is accustomed to, then should that not be enough? Well, that's the thing of, I don't know about the question of should, but could it absolutely be enough to some women, of course? So you focus on the women who that's enough for and you... Sift through them and find the one that's most compatible. But the problem is if a man, let's say there's a woman who let's say her family is wealthy, they're millionaires, and the man he makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so that to a lot of people, that's a good amount of money. So he approaches this woman, and he can give her a good life, you know, based on the standards of the country, he can give her a good life. Um and he wants to marry her. And she says, well, sorry, you don't have enough money for me. I mean, are we going to say that she should accept it because it's still a, de- a decent life? That just because she came from a sort of millionaire background doesn't mean that she can't be happy in the life of a man who makes $100,000 a year. I mean, it's her choice, right? So I don't really know um, what the point would be in trying to convince someone that they should accept something they don't want to accept. I mean, again, I think for women, for women and men, it's like finances are almost equal to um, looks in a sense. So if a woman came along and let's see, if a woman came along who was interested in a man and he wasn't interested in her because he thought she was too fat. And, you know, someone tells me, how can you say she's too fat? She's only like it's so hard to like use numbers that she's 5'8", if <laughs> we can be specific, that she's 5'8", and she is 160 pounds. That's like, uh, that's like how much Beyonce weighs when she's like her bigger self, which she's never big, but when she's her bigger self. Um, so someone may say, you know, that's not big, like that's a normal size. To him, that's too big. What are we gonna say? You shouldn't use accept someone who is a normal size for their height. Like that's a weird argument to me because at the end of the day, no one has to accept anyone, no matter how silly the reason is. Again, if someone doesn't like the way your nose is shaped, (laughs) you know, like it's silly, it's dumb, but I mean, so what? Like We're talking about the person that you're going to have. The most intimate relationship with than anyone else in the world so it's absolutely your choice what your particular standards are going to be now i mean we wanted to touch on this but it's already an hour so we're going to close out soon but i absolutely think there should be a conversation about what are our expectations and how realistic are they and having a self-assessment so that We can actually not only get what we want, but so we can also be more realistic because maybe, let's give an example of a woman who comes from a background where her parents are working class and a man has the same $100,000 he can give her a good life, but she wants to marry a millionaire. Now we can say to her, you know, maybe you're being unrealistic, maybe with the people that are in your circle, it's kind of ridiculous to want a millionaire. We can say that, I think it's a fair point. But at the same time, if she doesn't want to marry that guy, even if he can provide a decent life, there's no obligation on her. So it's almost like we have to be willing to have both conversations, a conversation about no one has to return your interest in them. And the conversation about are our standards realistic, like both of those conversations are important and need to happen. But I think sometimes they get crossed in a way that isn't really good. So if you are the individual that has been rejected, and you have the job that's making $100,000, and you can provide them a decent life um, for the living standards of your country, but they reject you, I think it's, wrong and a waste of time for you as an individual to say that well that's not right i can provide you a good life you should accept me you're being materialistic like that to me is a waste of time because if they don't want to be with you then they don't and for the woman then she has to focus on well am i being realistic am i being too materialistic each person has their own um thing to focus on even for her to say uh to be annoyed or insulted that a man who makes that much would approach her, that's also a waste of time. Like you can just say, well, here are my standards. This person doesn't fit. So we can't move forward. This person might be a better fit. This person, they don't exactly fit, but they have some other outstanding qualities that will make me uh, want to move forward. Right. And it can maybe be less of a um, tense conversation around this and more of a productive one. Um, so Conry, Conry said, I also had issues with compatibility with different work ethics, volunteerism, and the future goals. Yeah. Yeah, that's also important. I think, you know, yeah, there is an overemphasis we have on finances, maybe because it is an easier thing to talk about because it's so black and white but obviously values can come in so many different forms. So you said work ethic, volunteerism, future goals, right? So if you feel like, you know, dedicating time to volunteering is really important to me. And the other person thinks, let's say as a woman, that's what you want. And the other person feels like, no, we, I want you to stay at home and primarily focus on raising the children and focus on, you know, giving us a good household. No one is wrong but that's not a very compatible um, match right actually I really like this this episode or this clip um, of Axe Steve if anyone watches that so there was this couple who the man he want they were engaged and the man wanted his fiance to be a stay-at-home wife, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home wife, and she wanted to work, you know, when they were married, and he actually had Dr. Phil on as a guest, and what Dr. Phil said that I thought was so valuable was that you're not wrong for wanting what you want, you're not wrong to want a stay-at-home wife, stay-at-home mom, and you're not wrong to want to work, but this is not compatible, right? Right? So unless you are both going to make some dramatic changes in what you want, which may not be a good idea anyway, because sometimes we say to ourselves, you know what, This let's say for example, you know what, this brother, he doesn't have a lot of money, he can't even take care of me, I'm going to have to work and, and take care of myself, but he's such a good Muslim, he has such a good heart, such a good personality, we're going to try to make this work. And then you get married, and you realize that that good personality, that good heart is actually not enough. That it's actually not enough to sustain the marriage. You increasingly have problems and then the marriage ends. The the funny thing to me in our society is that, I think everyone gets married for the same reasons, right? Probably 99% of us, we get married because we love the person, right? We like them or we love them. For us as Muslims, some people we don't feel like, love is important or whatever before marriage but most of us in general we get married because we really like the person or we love them but why do people get divorced the number one reason isn't because of falling out of love one of the number one reasons is finances so it's like we don't want to look at finances before marriage but then when the marriage is falling apart it's often because of finances so Allahu allah maybe if we actually did think about finances more Then our marriages would not end the way that they do because clearly it's a big enough issue that it can end a marriage. So maybe it should be a big enough issue in deciding compatibility. Uh, Okay. Abdul Hamid Faruqi said, Assalamu alaikum, good points as usual. Jazakallah khair. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy on all those looking for a spouse and may He put barakah in those who are married. I mean, I mean, I mean. I mean, yeah, and those who are in leadership positions should also figure out creative ways to make it um, easy. I know that one thing they do in the Jewish community, I believe, if they still do it, but um, I know they've been known for doing this, is that as I was speaking about in Jordan, then people in the community who want to get married, who aren't married, they have a resume, you know? So there is someone, I think it's like the aunties of their community in a sense, who look through these resumes and essentially play matchmaker within their community. So, you know, why not have all our massages have that now? I have no control over that, right? Maybe one of you do, but why not have something like that within our massages so that at least people can be helped in starting the process. Um, Okay, Hanifa. So I'm just gonna read these last couple comments from Hanifa and ta'ala, Allah and then we will go. Okay, just watching from my own parents' marriage, mother is African American, stepfather is Moroccan. There are so many cultural and lineage nuances that must be considered when marrying across cultures. Yeah. And I do feel like if you're going to marry across culture, and Allahu Alam, but I feel like one thing that you could do that may be helpful is to really fall in love with that culture right especially whoever has the stronger culture i think for us as americans we're usually in a lot but i feel like we're usually more malleable um than people who come from other cultures because even within our culture is kind of a mix of different cultures in america um so if you can fall in love with that culture learn a lot about that culture that may be really helpful but And even live in that country but absolutely there's so so many considerations that can be made um so hanifa said it's crazy how we get emotionally and romantically attached to people without considering compatibility first yeah stop falling in love (laughs) <laughs> I like that. Stop falling in love at the sit-down. This is an interview. That's perfect. That is a good point to end on. JazakAllah khair for joining us. Inshallah, ta'ala. Um, we'll see you next Sunday. Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.